new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I feel it in my I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game full speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. everybody to another edition here of both the Auburn Undercover podcast and the Junkyard Dogcast. Uh, did one of these crossover episodes in the fall with our buddy Jordan Hill. We've got another one here today. Jordan is joining us here on video or rather I am joining Jordan is probably the uh, it's probably the better way to put it because Jordan is actually on location um, down in Destin for SEC spring meetings this week where as we record this here on Thursday evening, we got our first tangible bit of news, really our seems like our only tangible bit of news um, from the event. And uh, Jordan, I'll kind of let you let you take it away here. The The headliner, though, is that they are sticking with an eight game schedule for 2024. There was so much discourse about this and so much lead up. And um, I know you just like everybody else, like, you know, was like, oh, here, what could a nine game schedule look like? And who could there, you know. Georgia, you know, you covering Georgia, who could their permanent opponents be? And I did the same thing with Auburn. And uh, and here we are. It's going to be the same next year. But the biggest difference, though, is that uh, is that they're eliminating divisions. So so kind of walk us through the, the biggest news from today. Right. Uh, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head there. You know, they're they're kind of what was funny the entire week with Greg Sankey. He had made a, a comment early in the week about wanting to, to land the plane this week. That was sort of the comparison he made. And to that point, I would say that now they're in a holding pattern. The SEC is in a holding pattern. They have gotten rid of divisions. Uh, you will have your top two teams um, regardless. Um, you know, just the top two teams as far as their conference record will go to Atlanta in 2024. Uh, they stick with the eight-game schedule um, and, uh, and have said it's just for 2024. They will revisit it um, and have plans to decide if they want to stick with that eight-game schedule, if they want to move to the nine-game schedule uh, beginning in 2025. Um, some of the topics that were discussed when it comes to this, why they are essentially waiting to make a long-term decision, um, was the uncertainty with the 12-team playoff that's going to be in 2024. Um, you know, the uh, number of schools that have a number of non-conference games already scheduled, they would have to sort of rework, uh, potentially rehash, because you would be adding – uh, another conference game to the schedule. Um, and it sounded like a lot of the athletic directors uh, felt like there was too much uncertainty. Greg Byrne, uh, Alabama's AD, said earlier this week, you know, that they didn't have enough information. Now, how much more information they'll get in a year's time, I don't know. Um, when it comes to this decision, um, you know, I, I'll just read really briefly through the press release. 
Um, you know, in the one-year schedule, the SEC teams will play eight conference games plus, which we haven't mentioned so far in this podcast, one required opponent from the ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, Pac-12, or major independent, essentially a Power Five opponent in the 2024 season, um, which will be the first that Oklahoma and Texas will be SEC members. Um, you know, pull a few of the quotes. I, I was in the room when, when Greg Sankey went through this um, and, and described what was coming. Uh, one of his quotes, quote, our long-term options are fully open for 25 and beyond. I'll just identify that since we're going to that single standings or single division schedule. You can understand that that will be a focus. We will have continuing dialogue around the eight-team or nine-team schedule. I think the biggest thing, and Nathan, I'm sure we're going to get into this, when it comes to, you know, really while we're doing this podcast together, the Georgia and Auburn piece of it, you know, the the prevailing thought was they would do a one-seven model if they went with an eight game schedule which would be you would have one permanent opponent and the seven essentially rotating um and you know obviously auburn would have alabama as an as a result georgia would have florida and greg sankey was asked about this you know so is this the one seven model and he basically said no this is eight as in you know this is just the eight games um and his quote about rivalries that i think if you're a georgia fan or you're an auburn fan that you should feel really good about um, he said, quote, we understand the importance of some of our really key games and our historic games, and we look forward to those continuing both in that 24 season and beyond. A little bit later, uh, in another answer, uh, he said, you know, we're going to honor those traditional rivalries. So I think, you know, they haven't spelled out what uh, these, te- you know, which teams are going to be playing which. Um, they are really pushing, which uh, – Mark your calendar, Nathan, because June 14th, uh, you and I and all the other SEC beat writers are going to be watching SEC Network because that's when they're going to announce who is playing who. They are not going to announce dates at that time, but they are going to announce the teams that are playing each other in the 2024 season. Um, but, you know, he, Greg Sankey made it very, very clear that um, they care about these rivalries. Uh, and I think that that was sort of a holdup with a lot of teams and a lot of president's athletic directors that they didn't want to adopt that one seven model with the eight game schedule because it would mean losing a lot of rivalries. And, you know, we've, you know, I think we both have written stuff and and talked certainly on the board the last few days about the threat of the deep South's oldest rivalry, Um, you know, maybe not going away, but may not be, you know, maybe not being an annual game. Um, and, And I think that, you know, based on that, I think the SEC took the right approach when it comes to rivalries. Um, I want to get your perspective, Nathan, just because, you know, kind of being here, you sort of get lost in all of it and, and trying to keep up with everything. But uh, what is your immediate reaction to to this plan for 2024, essentially saying we're going to focus on 24 and revisit it, you know, potentially when you have more information, potentially when you know a little bit more about the playoff? Um, what, what was your immediate reaction when you heard that this was happening? Well, we love to kick the can. Don't we, folks? Especially in the SEC, especially in college football. I mean, I, I, people were kind of talking this week, sort of memeing on the SEC, saying, you know, the 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 motto is it just means more. But I guess you've got to leave that in uh, in Destin. Maybe if a you're not going to increase your uh, if you're you're not going to increase your schedule yet, and b some of the coaches that made that made some headlines this week, uh, complaining is probably too broad of a stroke there for for you know comments from guys like like Drinkwitz and uh and Saban I thought Kirby Smart had the best quote of the entire week when uh, he was asked on Monday I believe about the 
about the schedule. And he said, it's the most overrated conversation we've ever had. Um, and his point is a good one. And that's, that's, that's kind of what I go back to when we look at this. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter as long as, and I'm broad, I'm glad you brought that up about, about the deep South oldest rivalry, as long as you preserve, or at least you do your best to preserve the rivalries and, and what's important to fan bases. Because I thought our buddy, Justin Lee from the Opal, like Auburn news, I thought he, he put it, in a good way this week um, talking about, you know, Georgia Auburn, you, you, you can't lose that thing because that's regardless of, of how successful Georgia has been against Auburn. You know, Auburn hasn't won in that series since, since 2017. Um, however, out of the, however many, what like 13 to 15, who knows, yes, whatever. But regardless of that, that's, that's the game. That is one of the games on Auburn's schedule, like year in and year out when that game's in Jordan Hare stadium, they will pack the thing out and they and they care like crazy to win that game. The game last year in Athens was a complete blowout. You know, it was was a no contest um starting in like the second quarter and and still that was a really ravenous environment. So that that's the thing to me is making sure you're you're paying attention to the rivalries and doing your best to preserve those. That's what I was watching for from afar this week because from you know little tidbits that I'm seeing here and there, like Texas, Texas AM, that was sort of assumed to be a thing. Maybe not so solid, right? And maybe because of like you were talking about, you, you they're they're keeping the non-conference games intact. Um, like Auburn has Cal on the board for for twenty twenty four. You have to play a um a G or excuse me a Power Five opponent um in your non-conference. They said I, I don't know who Georgia has for twenty four, but um you know that that kind of puts things in flux. Oklahoma, Oklahoma, and um, Oklahoma State Bedlam is is apparently going to be shelved for a little bit. Um, you know, at least at least for the next couple years as Oklahoma starts to you know, work its way into the SEC. And so, um, you know, from from afar, this is not that's not overly surprising. Um, I do understand the playoff data. That was something that Hugh Freeze touched on. And, you know, of course, that Hugh Freeze touched on um, this week. It was sort of his like his whole focus of, um, you know, I, he's saying I don't really care about eight or nine like. Again, it goes back to Kirby Smart's argument that you're going to play the same teams over the course of four years, which is, I think, yeah, that's that's a good model when you can accomplish that. That's really good. Um, you know, but Hugh Freeze was saying, you know, that's that's not really in my, you know, realm right now. I, I don't really have much to to say about that. But you know, something he does care about if you're a team like Auburn is how does that affect you in the playoff if you are adding because Auburn and the SEC, you routinely have one of the toughest schedules in the country because you all play each other and theoretically Oklahoma and Texas are going to, are going to get their act together and they'll at least one of them will probably be pretty good every, every once in a while, um, if not consistently. And so Auburn's going to keep having a top five schedule in the country. You know, Georgia's going to keep having a you know, top 10, top 15, whatever they, whatever they usually average. Are you going to be penalized for going nine and three? If that mean if, because you pay, you know, you're playing an extra sec game. Um, and I thought Greg Sankey's, you know, way of sort of addressing that was pretty smart when he referenced uh, college baseball and college softball and their regional seating. And he said, you know, look around the tournament in softball, look around the tournament in baseball, you know, Auburn really Auburn baseball, for example, really didn't catch on till the, till the final three or four weeks of the season. And they end up being the number 13 overall seed and hosting a regional. Um, so it's just kind of a, kind of an example from him of like, you know, we, we continually get, you know, the respect in the sec as, as, you know, playing playing the toughest schedule, even if you have a couple losses here and there. Look at Alabama back in back in 2017. Um, you know that. Hopefully, if you're Auburn, that continues to uh, 
that continues to reign true moving forward. But uh, obviously, Hugh Freeze has got to worry first about about getting this team to a bowl game. But I do understand that. I do understand that sort of long term thinking, and that's probably the same for all the coaches. So, um, it, it it is. I was kind of ready for something new, and I understand moving divisions off the table is is new. Um, but it seems to me, Jordan. I mean, at least you can you can touch on this a little bit. Um, it seems to me like a this was this was not known for for sure. This wasn't concrete heading into the week, but all the reporting was that this was pretty expected. The fact that it was a unanimous vote also shows me that it was pretty expected. Um, a, did, did you get that feeling? And then B, is there the feeling that it will be nine games eventually? They're just kind of kicking the can or, or are they still exploring options? Yeah, you know, a lot of credit, I think, due to some of the national reporting leading into this week. I know specifically Sports Illustrated's Ross Dellinger had mentioned um, the very real possibility of what wound up happening, that they stuck with the eight-game schedule for 2024. And, yeah, you could tell from talking to the different athletic directors, really more the athletic directors, I thought, than some of the coaches, um, that this was how it was trending. Um, you know, they were all playing their cards close to their best. Um, you know, saying we want to do what's best for the SEC. And you could tell there was um, sort of some of that timidness. And, and again, I really think what hit the nail on the head for me was Greg or uh, uh, Greg Byrne uh, on, uh, I believe that would have been uh, Tuesday. I think it was uh, Wednesday, actually. And he said, you know, that he didn't think that the athletic directors had enough information, going back to your point. Uh, about you know wanting to get that data from the playoff and things like that and especially too i'm not sure that i mentioned this earlier you know a big piece of this that is a big question mark is that deal with espn you know i think it's like a 10-year three billion dollar deal uh that was signed before texas and oklahoma joined the conference and obviously that's a lot more money that would be on the line adding two brands like that um so you know uh and I did want to mention, too, as far as non-conference, uh, Georgia has Clemson next year in addition to Georgia Tech. So I want to make sure I mention that. Uh, but as far as the long-term plan, you know, I'm not entirely sure. I think if ESPN decides that they're willing to put up some more money, um, maybe renegotiate, then, yeah, you get that nine game. But I think, you know, the way I stand right now, what I think winds up happening is they stick with eight games. Uh, you know, Nick Saban – talked about it on Tuesday, the opening day of spring meetings. And, you know, for a long time, he had been a proponent of going to nine games and he's kind of backed off that. And he said a big piece of that was that more teams have been willing, more non-conference teams, I should say, have been willing to schedule Alabama and do those home and homes. And, you know, I think his argument was essentially, why would you trade a marquee non-conference game for another SEC game win? You know, you will get some big matchups if you do that, but you're also going to get, you know, some Alabama Vanderbilts or, uh, you know, some uh, – I'm trying to think of just random like Auburn, South Carolina. You know, you can get some good games, but you might get some that's like, well, would you rather watch that or would you rather watch Auburn play like Florida State, you know? Um, so I think based on all the, all the data I've gathered this week, I think the SEC is going to stay put in the long run to, you know, at a – games um but i think that it's sort of on the onus especially of the top teams in the conference to schedule really really good uh marquee non-conference games and alabama's done that uh georgia like i mentioned has done that it's got clemson uh they mentioned during that press conference next year lsu plays usc uh, i believe notre dame plays texas a&m and I think if you look at it from a fan perspective, I understand wanting to go to nine games. I'm a proponent of them doing the nine games 
and go into a three, six model where you have those three permanent rivals. But if you're not going to do that, I could get behind saying, okay, we're going to stick with eight games, but we're going to play games that maybe not, you know, maybe are not necessarily playoff level, but if you're giving, you know, Georgia's got Ohio state on the schedule, uh, it's, uh, in 2031. So that's still a ways away. Um, but they play Clemson several times. They've got Florida state, Louisville. If you play games that are of interest, I think that that's okay. And, and, uh, you know, I've seen, and I knew, you know, and I think everyone in the room when, when this was announced understood this was going to come, that there was going to be a lot of criticism, uh, for a conference that says, you know, it wants to be a, a, you know, at the forefront and sort of lead by example that they decided to stay pat and, only playing eight games when a whole lot of power five conferences are playing nine games a year. Um, but the SEC can make the argument that, you know, it's the SEC, you know, they've won the last four national championships and five of the last six. And, you know, I've had a stranglehold on college football, you know, especially when it comes to winning national championships for the better part of the 21st century. So I think, you know, they can make the argument that, we can do it this way because of the caliber that we have. We don't necessarily have to play nine games to prove ourselves among the other power five schools. So that's sort of my take on that. Um, you know, what do you think about sort of that thinking if it does stick with eight long term, uh, especially if we say, all right, eight conference games, you get marquee on conference games consistently especially with the teams that in theory will be um, in the race to make the playoff most years another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos bank of america has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, you make an excellent point about the non-conference, and I think that was an important stipulation for them to make when they when they brought this announcement forward because everybody's sort of tired of you know the the same shellacking that that the top teams are going to give to you know buy you know buying you know, buy-in games or whatever you want to call them you know cash grab games that they they bring in small opponents and beat them down. I, it's that's still going to exist moving forward. It looks like, but I'm with you that it, you know, there is that as long as you can balance the emphasis on good non-conference matchups, which I, when you were talking, you know, all of us kind of thought with the sec expansion and with big 10 expansion on the way, like Auburn's got UCLA on the schedule that you know, in the future, that remains to be interesting because, because they're moving conferences. Um, you know, they've got Baylor on the schedule in the future. I think everybody sort of thought, um, you know, and the Big 12 is changing. It's like, oh, th- this whole thing's going to blow up. Everybody's future schedules are just going to get completely wiped and we're going to have to start from ground zero. Um, now that we're in it, 
and now that the debates are actually happening and, and people are formulating details, um, it's clear that that's not necessarily the case. Like we can get and it. And that's why that's why it was interesting to me. And that's why it made a lot of sense for them to go with people are kind of calling it an interim. The interim schedule is like and that's why it makes sense as much as I, I'm I'm with you. Like I, I like the three six format a lot. I like the three permanent rivals. Um, but if you're going to go, I, I do understand sort of, I know I said, can you know, kicking the can earlier? Um, and I, and I do like to clown on the, on college football for doing that often, but it makes sense when you're just sort of looking ahead and, and, you know, you've got all of these matchups, you know, you, you mentioned so many of those for Georgia and I, you know, I've mentioned some of the future ones for Auburn, you know, that's not even mentioning the rest of the conference, you know, now 14 teams in the league. Think about how many future matchups, how many future schedules, you have to balance, um, you know, and, and what that means, and as as conference realignment changes, and so, um, yeah, I mean, I think it was a sensible sensible decision um, overall for the for the league, and you know, as much as I was a proponent of three six, it's sort of to me like the playoff argument of expansion, where okay, three permanent rivals, um, everybody's gonna now say, oh, well, who could the fourth one be? And now that I, I hesitate to say two permanent rivals with this system, because obviously they're not, you know, it's not a one seven. It doesn't have a label. If I'm understanding that correctly from, right. from Greg Sankey. And so, well, well, there's not going to be, you know, permanent rivals per se. It definitely seems like they're putting an emphasis on that. People are always going to say, Oh, well they need more, you know, they, they need another rival. If it does end up going to two, you know, I would assume, you know, the that'd be Florida and, Florida and Auburn for for Georgia people you know would still want Tennessee you know if, you know, if, if it's, if it's um, obviously Georgia and Alabama are the biggest ones for for Auburn but you know they've got great history with with a team like LSU and people want to see that rivalry renewed with Florida and so um, you know to to go back on Kirby Smart's point of it is the same over a four year cycle um, I think that that thinking and kind of sticking with that line of thinking is the most important thing here because. You know, if you're considering a student athlete who comes in as a freshman on average, especially now with all the you know, grad transfers and I guess the COVID years will be gone soon. But, um, you know, guy, a guy is on average probably going to play what three and a half years, four years, probably at an institution. And so, um, you know, getting to getting to move around the league and also for fan bases. I think that's I think that is important as well. Like, you know, giving them the opportunity like there's some crazy there's some crazy thing about was it Georgia and Texas A&M. Was that the one? either last year or a couple years ago, like where they haven't played, even though they've been in the league since 2012. It's just crazy. Yeah. Um, so, so Georgia's never played at college station. They played, I believe uh, Texas A&M came to Georgia and I think that was 2019, but Georgia has never been to college station. And that is complete. I mean, that's just completely ridiculous. Like they've been in the league since, since 2012. So as long as, as long as we can try to fix those things, I guess. I guess I'm all right with it. Um, like you mentioned, Jordan, June 14th is when uh, is what they're going to have to keep an eye on um, in terms of always seems like we're going to have these, you know, big summer announcements uh, every year moving forward. We had the COVID one that was like early September. Where we all had to park in front of the TV. Obviously, last year's was pretty normal. And now we've got one in the in the middle of the summer. I'm trying to look here, Jordan, to see if there's anything else we missed. Um, I don't know how much you were privy to this. You probably were um, the field storming changes i don't know how much you can you can speak on that um that that's that's been another big topic as you sort of touch on what the national topics are at at something like spring meetings and for any conference this doesn't just apply to the sec but we saw some ugly stuff with this primarily the tennessee alabama 
stuff comes to mind. There, there's other stuff I'm not thinking about, but you know, safety needs to be improved in terms of field storming. And uh, it seems like they've at least got a couple ideas that they're, that they're introducing coming this next season. Right. And before I get into that, wasn't there a situation too with Auburn, Arkansas? In my basketball. You are correct. Yeah. Yeah. My, my brain was not on basketball, but you're exactly right. Um, Bruce Pearl, like mentioned that, it was some of his players sort of got bumped into you had, I mean, it was just a bad situation overall because when the fans are allowed to come on the court or the field immediately, um, like there was a dunk, the guy dropped his feet down and fans were on the floor immediately. Like there was no time for players to exit the court or anything like that. Um, so yeah, you're, you're exactly right. That, that did get some headlines um, as well. So yeah, it seems like they're, they're going to make some changes to that. Right. Yes. They have increased the fines when it comes to field storming, um, you know, the, the, for a first offense, the school is going to be fined a hundred thousand dollars. That's double what it was in the past. Uh, second offense, $250,000. I believe it might've been a hundred, a hundred thousand before a uh, third offense, $500,000. There were a lot of ideas thrown around in the last few weeks about this. There had been a committee, uh, a three man committee, I believe of Greg Byrne, Kentucky athletic director, Mitch Barnhart and Georgia athletic director, Josh Brooks that was sort of exploring what they could do to prevent field storming. And there were some pretty drastic ideas thrown around. I mean, essentially, if, say, Georgia and Auburn played, Auburn wins and storms the uh, field, the the idea was thrown out there that, well, the next time that those two teams play and Auburn was supposed to be the home team, well, they could lose home field advantage. And I don't think anybody was for that. Um, And, you know, based on what they've done, Looks like the upping of the financial fines um, was the way they decided to go. And I think it made the most sense because I don't think anyone was going to support how much money you would lose and just the straight up home field advantage you would lose um, if one of those situations played out. Um, So that was also introduced tonight. You can understand that uh, it was kind of secondary as far as the conversation um, when it compares to the schedule. But also I think it's really important and I get why there is a lot of concern. You don't want somebody getting hurt. Um, You know, you don't want a situation um, where players are scared to get off the the field. And uh, and I want to shout out David Ubbin from The Athletic. They were talking after the fact. And he he mentioned what he thought was a really good idea. was something that the Big 12 has implemented in the past uh, where they essentially go to the film and look at how did a, a certain team, you know, the stadium security handle a, uh, a post game handle a field storming and, and basically judge that if we should, you know, put forth a fine. Um, so yeah, it's, it's going to be something to watch as far as field storming. There's no right answer because as was pointed out this week, you're not going to have a student body, you know, get ready to go and someone send them and say, Hey, wait a minute, you know, this is going to cost our school, you know, ha- uh, half a million dollars. Like that, that's not going to happen, but you obviously want to keep people safe and especially, you know, we, we know from going on the field to try to get to post-game press conferences, just generally that's hard. And then when you get in a situation, like say, after an Iron Bowl where there's a field storming, it gets tight. And, uh, and definitely dangerous. So I get why uh, it's a point of emphasis, something that I want to try to also taking away makes college football so possible as well in those situations where you have court storm. Yeah, I'm with you where, yeah, you know, I, I think back to, I think I tweeted it out when the game ended, but Tennessee beats Alabama and like 
the CBS aerial shot of a pack Neyland stadium, just like flooding with orange on the field and the fireworks going off. Um, like that's awesome. That's what you like. That's what you want if you're a college football fan, but to play devil's advocate, like you said, having been in those situations, like I, I think you're probably referencing the 19 iron bowl. Um, like I remember <laughs> trying to get off the field there and like, I mean, it was fun and like, don't get me wrong. It was awesome. Like it, it was definitely a cool experience. But there are there are, you know, inebriated 20 year olds sprinting straight at you and they do not care if they run into you. So I, yeah, I can't even imagine, you know, being an opposing player. And so, yeah, like you like you said, there there were drastic measures tossed around a few months ago. Um, I remember them talking about, you know, bowl game reduction, scholarship reduction, all that kind of stuff. Obviously, you want to you want to take this thing seriously. Um, but I think, you know, my, my idea <laughs> My idea, if if anyone will ever listen to it, I had an idea for the for the clock to make use of to make use of the scoreboard and be like, all right, you give you, you the PA announcers like we're going to put seven minutes on the clock, giving, you know, the other team time. You shake hands for a minute and then you make your way to the locker room and then it's a party. Then you don't have to worry about the other team. You don't have to worry about the away team. It's just your own. So if you get if there's an issue with your home team, like that's on you. It's your fans. It's your stadium. Um, I don't know if that's ever going to happen. Yeah, David Evans, I, 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 I was just going to say, I think that is a good, you know, because that is bringing at least a little bit of organization. And if it's understood for the students, like, all right, we got to wait this long. That's the rule. I mean, we've waited through literally an entire game. I don't think that's a bad idea. I don't know if it will ever, you know, I don't know if we're going to get any traction. Maybe we can get some of the, uh, you know, some people on 247 to, to kind of get the ball rolling. But I like that idea because, um, you know, it, you can't, you can only do so much here. And again, I get one, why they decided to up the money, but also two, why they didn't do something extremely drastic, like where you could lose a home game, because I, I don't think that's going to curb it. And I don't think that's, you know, that's not going to have the effects they're hoping it would have. Yeah. It's going to end up not communicated well to fans and then they're going to do it and then you're going to lose a home game and that is going to be tons of revenue loss for your conference i understand a penalty but like at the end of the day the the, the revenue not not the money's everything but also money's everything like the the, the revenue that you're going to lose from one of those games is is going to definitely be more than than any penalty you could possibly like conjure up for it so i i anticipate this is going to be a conversation for the next decade plus like every time you talk to somebody about field storming like my parents both went to alabama they are alabama fans and so they are on the receiving end of those most of the time and so they have a certain opinion about it if you're a tennessee fan who you know marched down to the tennessee river and threw the goalpost in the in the water like you're gonna have a differing opinion about it auburn fans are gonna have a differing opinion so like it's just i i anticipate them continuing this will be in flux for for the next little bit, but and and two, if you're the Tennessee, I believe it was the president. You have an opinion. If you remember, he he was he lit up a cigar and was like, "We'll pay the fine." And you know what? It was worth it was worth it for Tennessee that night. Oh, it was absolutely worth it. Yeah, but yeah, of course, and safety, of course, ends up being the the number one thing here. And so that's that's obviously what the SEC is trying to um is trying to pinpoint. Jordan, if you do not have anything else that you want to get into, I don't know if you've got anything else on your checklist. Um there is one sorry, go ahead. Yeah, no, go ahead, Nate. I was gonna say there is a comment here um that I wanted to get to on YouTube. It's either your YouTube, YouTube, your YouTube or ours. Um 
that says, would there be a vote for the top two teams? Basically, this is talking about the divisions being eliminated. There's bound to be ties among the top two teams. Number one is clearly the best, maybe 12 and 0, but the next two have one loss. I mean, I think it's going to retain most of the tiebreaker scenarios, like two 11 and one teams. It's, it's most prevalent in basketball. You like go from top down and that's how they seed. That's why like there's weird seeding sometimes in the SEC tournament. So I don't know the last time we had an actual two and three in, in a league, like be decided by a coin flip. It, it there's, they've got several measures. You can go to the SEC's website. Honestly, if you look up SEC football tiebreakers, even now with divisions, there's, there's a bunch of stuff in place. So the odds of that happening are extremely slim would be entertaining, but yeah, they, they've, they've got stuff for that. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think it would be like you said, pretty straightforward. They they've had situations. I mean, I can think, in both divisions where you've had years for the top teams that have gone on tiebreakers, there was a run there in the mid two thousands where it was like Georgia, Tennessee, and Florida would trade losses. And, you know, there would be, you know, three teams or one loss and then you had to go through the tiebreakers. Um, I think that happened at least once. So, uh, so yeah. So yeah, Nathan, I, I think the only thing I could think of is just for each of us to give kind of a parting thought on the schedule thing. Uh, my biggest thing, I get it, which we kind of talked about, um, and, and my biggest point was really to preserve the rivalry. I, I really, as a fan of college football, would have been very upset if they sort of threw games like Georgia and Auburn to the way. Like that, those are the games that matter. You know, it, I think of so many people um, who grew up in families where you know, they got cousins that are Auburn fans and they're Georgia fans or, they work uh, with someone who's a big Auburn fan, but they're a Georgia fan. Their neighbor's an Auburn fan. Um, that's what makes us As long as they stick to their word of saying, you know, we're going to really keep these rivalries at the forefront and, and, you know, make sure that they matter and they continue, uh, I'm okay with it. I do understand why there's frustration that they're not moving to a nine-game schedule. Uh, but as long as you keep those rivalries, I, I'm sure – you know, I'll I'll have things to point out and, and quibbles to make, but above all else, I think you've got to preserve those rivalries, as many of those rivalries as you can. Yeah, completely agree. That's the name of the game here, because at the end of the day, the best teams in the league are still going to be the best teams in the league. And like you're the teams that are winning championships, both on a conference and national level are going to continue to be the same teams moving forward. I mean, that's you know from decade to decade. And so, um, you know, what is the great equalizer in college sports and why it's different from other sports is, is like you talked about is rivalries. I got kind of scared today. Like when I saw, I can't remember what it was in response to, but it's Texas and Texas A&M fans talking, like we were talking about earlier, like that, that, that looked to be so concrete. That was something where, you know, people were like, Oh great. They're going to get to play again. They're in the same conference. Doesn't that make sense? Of course it, it would make sense, but at the moment it's not a guarantee. Um, and it was some Texas fans saying like, you know, like that, you know, that rivalry's kind of stale now because they haven't played. And it was like, um, it's like Texas A&M fans talking about how nasty Texas fans are and how they don't have any desire. And I was thinking to myself, I do not want Auburn or Georgia to ever get to that point. Like if they stopped playing for some reason on an annual basis and then you looped back around and their fan bases were, I, I granted, I can't ever see that happening, but you loop back around to their fan bases and they're like, they're, you know, they're a little bit more lethargic about it. And they're like, eh, you know, like, you know, maybe we could play them again. Maybe not that. I mean, that's a nightmare scenario. You want the, you want the bloodthirsty nature of, of the rivalry going 
always. And so another thing, Jordan, that I was that I wanted to just kind of mention, I, I don't have the means to and I'm scared of what how would happen to my Internet if I tried to do this right now. But like, you know, with them going to just the two best teams, how much does that change? Let's like let's look at the fat the past 15 SEC title games. Like, would they be different? How many of them would be different? My guess is not many. My guess is most of the time the two best teams are you know number one from both the that that excuse me the east and the west. So, I mean that that's another thing that's going to be interesting is how much that really changes the dynamic of the conference. Don't think it will. I I I don't I don't think if you look back on the past however many years it's been since they started playing the SEC title game. But that is interesting. That might be something I go do when we when we hit stop is see, you know, who who maybe who maybe had a better record as the number two team in the East. They you know, they had a better record than number one in the West. I, I doubt it happened very often, but I, it, it probably has, if, you know, at least a handful of times. I would look around those 2010s. It, it felt like the West was so much stronger um, that it might have happened some then. But uh, like you said, you know, uh, write, write you a story on that, Nathan. Get, get some sweet, sweet summer content out of uh, this news. Jordan, we love the summer content. And that's why spring meetings is great. Even though it says spring, it's June. So I call it summer. SEC summer meetings. It's like the fall classic, uh, you know, in, in uh, November with the World Series. You just kind of roll with it. I don't even know. Summer has not started yet, right? Summer doesn't start I don't for think a while. so. That's what I was going to say. I think it is surprisingly late when uh, summer is officially in uh, in uh, in full go. That's BS. Summer for me now is summer as a kid was obviously summer break. Summer for me now is when all of the college students leave campus and leave the town and it becomes very sleepy and quiet and it's amazing for like three months. You know the feeling. All right, Jordan. Well, I think we'll uh, I think we'll go ahead and call it there. Um, we appreciate everybody for listening. We appreciate uh, those from the Junkyard Dogcast and the Auburn Undercover podcast. Um, and we definitely appreciate Jordan to all of our Auburn listeners um, for his dispatch from the sec spring meetings where it was uh, extremely eventful um well at the same time not a ton happened you kind of had both happening at the at the same time but uh, definitely a lot to chew on and of course june 14th um will be that 2024 schedule announced so be sure to subscribe guys if you enjoyed it dogs 24 7 is where jordan is of course we're over at auburnundercover.com we'll see you guys later everybody have a good weekend moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.